Marlene Hutchinson, and welcome to Tips for Guitar Playing Success. As many of you know, I've been sharing my guitar playing tips every Thursday for more than 10 years. It's been my way to hopefully help you stay motivated, be inspired, and continue expanding your guitar playing journey. If you're interested in more learning resources like my guitar courses, lesson of the month club, coaching, Thursday tips blog, and more, go to my website, marlenesmusic.com. And for anyone who's listening and feeling like you're missing out on all the guitar playing fun, you can easily get started with my super simple Learn to Play Guitar in a Day course. Now, on to today's tip. This podcast is brought to you in part by Gator. Whether you just need a bag to gig with on the weekends or a frequent flyer needing a flight-friendly TSA series case or a dedicated road warrior bringing your instruments on tour, Gator has a solution for you. World-class guitar and bass players, DJs, and recording professionals know for the stuff you love, guard it with Gator. Also brought to you by the best deals of the season start now with early Black Friday at Sweetwater.com. Whether you're looking for a gift or fulfilling your own wish list, you can save up to 70% on a huge selection of high quality guitars, accessories, and technology. The link in the show notes will take you directly to all the great Black Friday deals at the world's leading music technology and instrument retailer, Sweetwater. Hey everyone, welcome to today's show. I'm so excited because we have a special guest, Mark Seal, joining us today. And uh, how you doing, Mark? Doing awesome, except fighting this cold still, which I haven't had the whole pandemic. I never got really sick. And then a couple weeks ago, I finally got the end of summer cold. So if I sound a little congested, that's why it's uh, it's not whiskey and cigarettes, I promise. <laughs> okay, we, we'll, we'll believe that. All right. Well, I wanted to tell everyone a little bit about you before we get started. So Mark Seal is a Southern California-based guitarist. Throughout his career, he has played and recorded many albums, performed concerts, hosted a television show, toured for 13 years for Taylor Guitars as a clinician and product specialist. Currently, Mark hosts a live, fully interactive show every Thursday at 3 p.m. called Take the Lead. When he's not playing, Mark spends a lot of time flying airplanes and hanging out with his family. So again, welcome. I know. It's good to be here. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. It's been a long time. Yeah. You know, I think the last time I saw you was when we did that benefit concert for JDRF. No, it's been since. I've seen you at NAM at Taylor. That's true. But Mark and I, he performed, he was the headliner. And then we did a jam band at the end, which I participated in. And uh, it was for JDRF, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. So that was really fun. And then I've seen Mark at the NAM show in the Taylor booth. Yeah. So it's always good to see you and hang out. So I thought it would be really beneficial for all my listeners out there to learn more about you and your journey with guitar. So why don't we start out with where did your music journey begin? 
So my <clears throat> my dad was a professional uh, musician. He, he was an artist, actually. He had a couple songs on the charts when I was a kid. He was a country artist. And he was primarily a vocalist and could, you know, get a few cowboy chords out on acoustic guitar. So I used to watch him play when I was a kid. He'd take us uh, to see his shows. We'd go to concerts. I'd see him up on the big stage. I'd see him in bars. You know, I was six years old. Me and my brother would be sitting in a bar till 2 a.m. watching my dad play. This is back when that was acceptable, I think. And I just grew up around music. And it was one of these things where my my brother was really into sports. And I tried to follow what he did. And it didn't work for me. That just wasn't my thing. So I carved out my own path, really got into playing guitar. Got my first guitar, my my own guitar. When I was about 11 years old, uh, electric guitar. And just kind of banged away. I never, I never took guitar lessons, interesting. I never took a single guitar lesson wow. until my first day when I was at Musicians Institute, when I was, I just turned 19 a couple of days before I'd graduated high school, went up to MI, but I just tried to figure it out. I used to watch MTV and I'd look real closely where their hands were on the guitar. There wasn't a lot of tabs at the time. Occasionally I'd get a guitar magazine and, and whatever was in there, I'd try to figure it out, but didn't really understand it. So I was primarily self-taught by ear, but I'd watch other guitar players play where I lived, guys that were in bands, high school bands, that type of thing, or junior high school bands really. And I would just watch them and just try to steal as much of I could. And I would just do it. And I got into it. And as a, a result, I just started writing music when I was 14, 15 years old. Just started making up my own stuff because I didn't know how to learn other stuff. So I just figured out how to play my own oh, stuff. Wow. So that was kind of the that was the that was the beginning journey of the whole thing. So you started with electric guitar? Correct, yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. First, and first riff I like. First everything. riff I learned was Wipeout, but it was a bad version of it. You know, the song actually. That's in it's in C. Here I was playing it in A because I could use an open string, and that's all I learned. I just learned the first you know five or six notes of it. I didn't know how to move it all around and do anything different. I might have moved it maybe up a string, but then I didn't know where to go after that. But the you can imagine the the technical ability of that kind of fast and, try, and I was doing all downstrokes and I'm sure I was playing it horribly, but it was that kind of stuff. Learning those, those little riffs, small little segments that I could sort of figure out became exercises to technically teach me how to play the instrument. Okay. So you were self-taught and you heard things, saw things and learned to play them. So, I mean, you talk about notes and things like that. The theory part, what did the theory part come in more when you went to Musicians Institute or did you know theory from like when you saw your dad playing or you were trying to figure things out? Yeah, there was no theory at all. <laughs> um, up until I'd say once I filled out the application to MI, my my uh, bass player in my band was pretty smart with theory. He'd figured it out and he'd taken some lessons. And so now he's getting ready to go to school. So now I panicked and I was kind of like cramming to go to MI to try to learn what I could. But I would really say that first 11 weeks, the first quarter we did at, at MI was, was game changing because I just threw myself into it. I'm learning all this theory stuff. It's all finally starting to make sense a little bit. And it got to a point oh. like, oh my gosh, this really is starting to make sense. And then I started thinking, wow, I could really make a living doing music because now I understand it. It was really powerful um, getting that under my belt. I was always just, again, playing by ear and I didn't know, I didn't even know what I didn't know. You know, that's the challenge when you're, when you're new is you don't know what to ask or what to look for. And there's, there's got to be some system that makes sense. And it didn't until I went to college. But again, at that point, at that point, I was a little bit of a shredder as far as I could play pretty fast. I, I learned just a bunch of cool things. I was playing in bands. I played in my bands in high school, learned songs like, you know, like Crazy Train and 
and eruption and stuff like that. So I was playing a lot of crazy stuff by the time I got to MI, but I didn't understand anything I was really doing. I was pretty much just, you know, Simon says or whatever I could just play by ear. Oh, that's interesting. Well, and you know, when I'm teaching or when I uh, meet new students or newer students, they always, almost always say to me, oh, I don't know anything about music. I don't know theory. I'm not going to be able to play. And it's like, yeah, you don't have to know all that to start playing because you can form shapes and you can strum and you can create a sound. So that's interesting. It sounds like that's a lot of what you did was you played what you heard or what you wanted to hear. Yeah, I never lead with theory with new students unless a student came and they could already play and that's what they were coming to me for. I always led with, hey, let's just get make sure you have fundamentals. Just make sure you're holding the pick pretty much the right way. There's kind of a right way to do it. You know, it's not set in stone, but there's there's some fundamentals that work there. Hey, let's let's not avoid using our pinky. Let's try to get, you know, one finger per fret and learn our chromatic scales and make sure we can use all four of our fingers comfortably. Let's get through some basic yeah. chord changes and basic rhythm and understand basic rhythm. Don't just learn a pattern, but understand how you're playing. You're playing eighth notes and where you're accenting the, you know, or hitting the notes or the strings. Then graduate. Let's let me show you how to do bar chords. And there's ways to learn them where people say, I can't learn bar chords. You can actually, there's a couple of different ways to teach them where one way almost always works for most people. And it's just a matter of time. I mean, one of the, I think the third or fourth song I ever learned was Stray Cat Strut. It was a new song when I was a kid. Yeah, And I remember, I just kind of, I remember it's when I learned how to play bar chords. Cause I remember it was such a popular song and I really wanted to, to, to learn it. And I would play like, and it sounded about like that. I wasn't getting all the notes to ring, <laughs> but I kept doing it. And then after a while, the notes started getting clearer and it was because I was sliding it and getting the callus. I was getting the hand strength. And then I started getting a little bit better with the rhythm. And I started ultimately, you know, six okay. months in, figure out what the right chords were. Somebody showed me maybe. <laughs> right. And, and it just, it naturally morphed, but it took six months or a year to get where I could play. But that song single-handedly taught me how to play bar chords for real. Bar chords are definitely a challenge for a lot of people. I have many students that say that. So what do you think is the easiest way to learn bar chords? What do you tell students? I put them on the most comfortable part of the neck as possible for them. Okay. So you know, if you're, you know, if you're trying to learn an F bar chord, that's probably singly the most difficult thing. Or an F minor is going to be even worse, right? Yeah. But yeah. put them maybe around the so your arms coming straight up. I might go to the seventh fret, right? And I don't have them do the bar. Okay. That's the, not at all. What I do is I tell them, let's get our third finger down on the ninth fret, fifth string, fourth finger, ninth fret, fourth, mm-hmm. second finger, eighth fret, third. Let's make this shape kind of related to an E chord, but say, just get this yep. really comfortable. Yep. Now, just get those three notes to ring. Once you yep. get those three to ring, now we're going to have to bring our thumb down. We just want to make our first finger straight. And you're not, and I'll tell them this, you're not going to get these notes to ring, but this is what you're going to do <laughs> to start getting the callus. And then you just, you know, they'll get this note maybe, but these aren't ringing. And, yeah. and then we just yeah. work on it that way. But that's where taking something like straight cat strut or even just one shape and moving it around, you're irritating that finger. You're going to get the, the callus there. You're going to get the hand strength and you're going to get comfortable making the that strength. shape. So it's just a process. Yeah. Yeah. I just 100% agree with that. Well, I wanted to talk about your performing career. So you started performing, obviously, in what did you say, high school, middle school? Where did it go from there? So, yeah, I I went, uh, I did high school. I played at my high school probably three or four times up on the, the main stage in the quad, which is just terrifying. 
And <laughs> I think the first time we did, I, bro- I broke a string like on the first song and you know, didn't even get to finish the first song. I had to, you know, go fit, change a string. Well, you know, I didn't have money or strings. I mean, it just, it just wasn't a thing. I didn't know what I didn't know. So I had, had a, a couple of, you know, decent experiences where we did okay, a couple that we weren't great, but you get through that. And if you can play in front of your high school peers and, and live to tell about it, um, that, that's a pretty, <laughs> pretty cool, cool thing. And then I did, we, I got in a couple of bands and we started playing, I think I was 17, I remember playing at the first nightclub. I got into this place. It was called Night Moves, if I'm not mistaken. And we played there. And it was interesting because we were minors. So all we had we could only come in and go right to the stage and play our set, and then we had to leave. And oh. after the set, everybody else got kicked out. Everybody else got kicked out, but I didn't. I just went and sat down and watched the next bands. I hung out. Somebody bought me a drink. Okay. I'm like, I didn't say anything. I was just, you know, but I was some 17 years old. And I'm like, wow, this looks this is kind of cool. You know, I was having a great time and feeling like a big boy and um you know, the band kept going. Then we ended up playing at the Whiskey. And then we oh, got nice. a record deal through our drummer. Went to Nashville, recorded an album with a band. And um, that was just an incredible experience. But we came back. The band, the drummer, and the singer were just really challenging. And I, I realized early on, I'm like, I need to do a solo career. I don't want to, you know, get yoked to these guys. I can't trust other people. And I don't want to have to rely on other people for my career. So I, I quit the band. I did it. I did another band after that. And had the same experience. I'm like, okay, I'm done. And so I was also in the process <laughs> of writing solo kind of instrumental records because I was a big Joe Satriani fan and Steve Vai. And you know, I was listening to all this progressive music. And so I, I just I did a, a bunch of instrumental records. I did five or six instrumental records over the next decade. But during that process, um, I started doing an internet show in 1999. It's very similar to what I'm doing now. And it was the same guy that hired me that owns the company I'm working for now. But we were way ahead of our time. It was when there was T1 lines and bandwidth was sketchy. But we had three cameras and a tiny little box in the window where people could see me and they could ask questions in real time, which is exactly what we do now. Um, it was yeah. just, it was so far ahead of its time. And if, a couple of years later, we would have crushed it. But it, the bandwidth was so expensive, it put the company out of business, basically. And so oh. I had been doing this show. I did 120 episodes there for over a couple of years. And then Guitar Center picked me up to be the their... Um, their spokesperson on their website. So you went to Guitar Center website, like, hey, I'm Mark Seal. Welcome to Guitar Center. I had a manager at that time, and we ended up putting together an idea for a TV show. Long story short, I got a TV show that was called The Ultimate Guitar Show. Once you have a TV show, though, you can get sponsors. That's where Taylor Guitars and Mesa Boogie came in. And then I did a NAM show for Taylor while the TV show was on. I was demoing a new guitar they had come out of T5. And so they wanted me to take that on the road. That started road shows. And then the whole thing, you know, I had no idea that one little thing was going to turn into, you know, 13 to 15 years of touring and working with Taylor. I, I did so many different things. I mean, I played at a couple of like festivals for them. I did a lot of NAM shows where we would either be the on air quote unquote talent or lack thereof uh, of inter- interviewing people, <laughs> you know, the, like we'd have, we'd have people come in, you know, I interviewed like one of the guys from the Eagles came in and interviewed him or just, you know, just kind of talk to them, ask them or let them try guitars. And then uh, as far as road shows, those were kind of the bread and butter. We'd go out to different towns. We'd fly out on a, a Sunday and do four four shows back to back. Every night we'd do different shows, just like being on tour. It was basically like wine tasting for high-end guitars. Nice. I love that. Okay. So, you know, the show is called Tips for Guitar Playing Success, and you've shared your bar chord tip, which I love, but what are some tips or ideas or hints or anything that you can think of that would help a guitar player play guitar better? 
Yeah, um, I hadn't given much thought to that, but I will tell you the stuff that comes across my desk most when I'm teaching, you know, it, one of it's just basically alternate picking and being able to use all four fingers. We look at chromatic scales, like, you know, say you're on the ninth fret of the first string, being able to alternate pick across all six strings. We'd call that like a low to high thing, right? Low note to a high note. Yep. Starting low and going to a higher note. And then maybe come down a half step and go back up. Making sure you're diligently down, back up again. Just kind of crisscross all the way till you get down to the hardest one, which would be that first position, obviously. That's a great warm-up, and I can honestly say I use that to this day before shows. If I'm just backstage, just kind of noodling around. It gets this hand warmed up, hitting all the strings, gets my left hand loose. Yeah. I don't try to play it fast. It's not like, you know, the whole shred thing. This is about just kind of relaxing and getting everything fully synchronized. As far as you know, finger picking, I think another a, a thing to work with finger picking, and this is a really great exercise just to get comfortable with it in general, is take a six string chord like an E major, which we all know or should know, and just get used to finger assignments right hand. So your thumb is responsible for six, five, and four. Finger one on uh, string three, two on two, and three on one. So on something like this, to get practice, just maybe do six, three, two, one, and then five, yeah. three, two, one four back to five so now what we're doing is we're obviously just getting all the finger assignments dialed and then reverse that do six one two three so those are a couple of tips that i think often come in people that want to finger pick need to learn the finger assignments uh, students that are wanting to play any kind of lead want to play that chromatic scale we talked about the, the bar chord stuff, obviously getting those where you can play them, that's always a good one. And the picking stuff, the arpeggiating thing, maybe the most common. People don't quite understand that, but once you get into... Once you can arpeggiate chords and just know where the strings are and be able to hit the root note on one, that's that's such a valuable tool to have in your arsenal. Yeah, absolutely. There are so many ways to teach guitar, and I think everyone's got different perspectives and different ideas. And that's why I think it's really helpful and important to have someone like you on the show, sharing your perspective of how to learn how to play something. Because I mean, okay, I think I'm a pretty darn good teacher, but I'm not the only one. So <laughs> I think we could all learn from everybody. Anyway, I, I, but um, well, that, well, that, real quick, that's really well said, because I think what, what I noticed is that when I first started teaching, I taught everybody the way that I learned at GIT and thought everybody should know theory. First couple of years of teaching, I was a terrible teacher. You know, I was like, hey, wow. I can do all this stuff. Why can't, you know, you should be able to do this. It's really simple, but you need to know this. And I would teach them stuff that didn't make them want to play guitar. Probably turned a lot of people off mm. to it. I think, you know, I did the math at one point and, and to date, I literally have done over 45 or 50,000 individual lessons. Ultimately, I just started to really look at what was working for the majority of students. Mm. What was the right way? Not that there's a right way, but for the majority of students, there probably is a right way. Holding the pick, thumb, and first finger. Yeah, you got people that will hold it with two fingers sometimes. Their hand will be down here like this, and, and it works for them. But your average thing, you want you know basic reference point, thumb and first finger. You want to be able to you know be able to palm mute when you want to palm mute, not palm mute when you don't. You want to be able to keep strings quiet when you're climbing up scale. Right. And that's, you know, those little reference points, that's, that's kind of a right way right. to do it. And again, there's, there's the people that do it differently and do it successfully, but that, you know, right. if you're going to start somewhere, start with what's the, the majority of people do and it works. And that's kind of that. And so I think all these things that I'm talking about right now, those are all things that are kind of the right way to do it for most people. 
And I think you and I right. probably are similar that you probably do the same thing with your students. You know, you figure out what's working for most of them. Let's try it. And if it doesn't work, then you got to get creative and find another way, a workaround for some students. Sure. Yeah. Well, I know when I started the workshops, the learn to play guitar in a day workshops, I started with the whole concept of people should be able to play guitar right away. And what are the obstacles for most people? People think it's too hard. People think they have to know music theory, things like that. And it's like, I kind of take it out of the equation of it's too hard. I make it very simple. It's really to me about let me show you the parts of the guitar, how to hold it. Here's how to do a shape of an A chord. Now, here's how you strum the strings. You're already playing, right? And you didn't need to know notes. You didn't need to know music theory, but you're making sound with this beautiful instrument. Yeah, it's, at first, it's very much a Simon Says thing. Put your finger here, do that. And the idea is to get somebody excited. So, you know, I'll ask students, what do you yes. like? What, what, you know, or, you know, what's, and I'll show, I'll give them a couple of examples, but maybe, Maybe it's, you're not even playing it the right way, but that, instead of, you, know, you don't want to give them yeah. that, that's too much, but they can do that. Yes. And if they can do it with one finger, you know, so you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. Simon says, show them how to do it. Something they like, then they start to get the belief that they can do it. Once they know they can do it, then they learn a bunch of songs. They go down the ADHD, YouTube, you know, <laughs> watching YouTube and just going from video <laughs> to video, trying to learn stuff. And then at some yeah. point it kicks in for those that take a little more serious that they want to learn theory for themselves. Then they're ready to learn theory when they want to do it. You can't push that on people. I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. I think understanding, you know, if, for those out there listening to your show that might be interested in, in diving into a little bit of theory, start with a C major scale, learn the numbers, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, right? And then learn the triads for each one of those C major, D minor, D minor, F, G, A minor, B minor, 7 flat, 5, C. And just get familiar with the concept that each note in the scale has a chord type, just a triad. And then just randomly call out, call out numbers. Say, okay, key of C major, I'm going to do a 6, 2, 5, 1. Well, 6. That's an A, and that's got to be minor. Okay, A minor, 6, 2, that's got to be a D, and that's got to be minor. And, and just work it out. Yeah. And you get, you start going, wow. And then you start hearing songs on the radio at some point. You go, once you do that, you start hearing songs. You can go, oh, that's just a one, six, five, four. That's a one, two, four, five, whatever it is. You hear it in your head. Right. And that, that's a really fun place to get because then you can play any song. Even if it's not the right key or the exact riff, you have the basic chord structure of it. Yeah, those are great ideas. You know, I'm thinking, oh, someone might go, oh, yeah, it's easy for him. He's just playing up and down the neck of the guitar. And he's, you know, he already knows all that stuff. I'm assuming everything you were just playing didn't happen for you in like one day or two days. Like it took you a little while to learn all that. (laughs) No, when I when I first started playing at church, it was where it really took off me. I learned all this stuff. I was a pretty good player as far as, you know, I could get around the finger, I could do solos that were mildly 80s impressive and shreddy. But I didn't know it's too much what I was doing. It's when I got out of music college and I started playing at a church. I was doing five services a week playing at a church. While playing these five services every week, there were all songs I'd never heard or were new songs. And every week there'd be a new song in there. And there'd be a rehearsal before the service. So Thursday night, we'd have a rehearsal, then a service. And then Saturday night, a rehearsal, then a service, then three services on Sunday. I'm learning all these new songs. They're all on charts on paper. And I just started out just playing chords. And after a while, I started really applying what I had learned. Because I learned all this stuff in music college, but never used it. 
was in a rock band. Oh. I, didn't need to, I didn't need to use it, right? So now uh. I'm like, oh, that's a, okay. Oh, that's a two, five, one. Oh, got it. Okay. Shoot. They want to change the key because the vocalist is sick. They want to go down a whole step. It's still a two, five, one. Okay, cool. And I kind of figured out and it was primarily open chords. Then I got really bored once I learned that. I'm like, well, this is boring. Now I want to start learning all my inversions. So I was just using church, obviously, you know, reverently, but I was using church as a really great way to say, well, I'm doing this gig. Let me do as good as I can. And I would learn inversions and triads. And I'd, I'd really try to figure all this stuff out so that I could create parts and play mm. with the band to add something rather than just the worship leader playing a C chord here and I'm just playing a C chord on an electric guitar like that. No, I'm going to play a C yeah. up here and maybe arpeggiate it while he's... And I'm doing something. Or I got to know my scales so I can solo. And I got to know what those triads are that I can play over that or what, whatever the case was. And that was, you know, that was literally, I did that for years and it was, it took me, it took me one solid year to really get it down while I was doing it five service a week. So it's not easy. You have to put the time in, but it's so worth right. it. Oh my gosh. Like I, I'm so grateful that I did that because I don't, I wouldn't have done it on my own and I needed a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say that was a, a God moment. <laughs> God was guiding yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. um, I would love for you to help me close out the show with some of your beautiful music. So before you jump into your beautiful music, I'd love for you to tell everyone how they can get a hold of you, maybe how they can find your show, all that great stuff. Yeah, just throw my name into Google, M-A-R-C, last name Seal, spelled S-E-A-L. The show is called Take the Lead, and that typically comes up. You can email me at the show there. Uh, it's it's by a company called Fugu, but Take the Lead is the name of the show. It's every week at Thursday. Check it out. The cool thing about it is we give away free strings on every show. So if you ask questions on the show, it's a good chance you'll, you'll win a set of strings. So, uh, All right. And I'll have the information, the links uh, for how to reach Mark in the show notes as well. And so if you would, maybe tell us a little bit about what you're going to play. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about that beautiful instrument that you're uh, playing. All right. So uh, the guitar is a guitar. It's called a uh, K14CE Builder's Edition from Taylor Guitars. And it's a really special instrument because when I was doing a lot of roadshows, we, we had a guitar, a new bracing come out for the guitars by the, the primary builder at Taylor Guitars, a guy named Andy Powers. And this was one of the first ones ever built. This was, uh, it's all V-Class, which is a really, you know, look that up. You want to check out. It's very interesting. The guitars are much more intonated, meaning when they're in tune, if you play a chord, I'm doing a bar chord on the 10th fret perfectly in tune if i play you know this this octave fifth thing up here way up high on the fingerboard sounds like a harp so yeah, it's this really beautiful. neat system that keeps the guitar really intonated that was the the bonus it's a really beautiful it's all co on the back and sides but it's a matte nice. finish it's got a a contour right here for playing up high really comfortably it's got what's called an armrest over here so it's comfortable on oh, the yeah. edge all the abalone, all the bells and whistles, the really nice Goto 510 tuners, which are just really accurate. And it's just, it's just a wonderful instrument. And it's by far the most played acoustic guitar I've ever played. I'm actually getting a hole in it here and I'm super bummed. I'm sure they can <laughs> fix it probably. But I've never played a guitar in my life as much as I played this one because I played this thing entirely through pandemic 
I, I'm oh. primarily an electric guitar player, but the last three years I've been primarily an acoustic player, just playing, writing songs okay. and having fun. I never came into my own as an acoustic player until more recently. And now I just absolutely love it. I have so much fun playing. Um, so what I'll play for you, um, I wrote a bunch of songs. I'll start with this one. I'll just give you some riff ideas. I can't sing at all because my my congestion. And these all have lyrics and stories. And this one's called Sundance. This is about about my wife and I wrote this. She wrote the lyrics, most of the lyrics, and I wrote the music. And we were just messing around in the portal one night, which is our music room. And we wrote this about. I grew up at Lake Havasu. Uh, we had a place out there, so we got there four or five times a year, and just the desert and the whole thing about the desert. And she grew up with her family. They used to go out to the river all the time. And there was a bar out there called Sundance that all of our parents would go to at oh. times. And it was like this forbidden place that as kids were like, what goes on in there? You know, we had no idea. And, uh, and so we just wrote this really fun song, kind of commemorative, but we wanted it to sound like the desert and it's real, the lyrics are real mysterious. And one of these days it'll come out and I'll get you a copy. But the guitar parts are really fun for me to write. I'm going to change in one second. I'm going this, one requires, this song requires a little bit more reverb because it needs to sound a little more ethereal. So this is just a song called Sundance. I'll just play a little bit of it, but you get an idea. It's kind of a fun song. It's in drop D tuning. So I took the six string down because I wanted to have that more droney effect a little bit heavier. I go like this. picking So it's kind of a, you know, it sounds like that deserty, swampy, just kind of a fun little yeah. riff. And what I liked about it was this high part. I've never played an acoustic guitar if they're like that as a riff, you know. Yeah, kind of fun. And one other one, I'll leave yeah. you with this one. This one's cool. We were down in Cozumel uh, a couple of years ago during pandemic. And I was just sitting out on this patio. This was a great place we were staying at. It was right on the water and it was just beautiful. And I, I wrote this song. It's called, What Would You Say? 
and it's just about uh, a guy asking a girl to go on a tropical vacation. And it's super oh. fun. Lyrics are great. Again, I, one of these days I got to perform the songs for you with lyrics because they're, they're, they're really good lyrics. In fact, I'm actually shopping this song. I've got a couple of artists in mind that might get it to, but it goes like this. It's kind of some cool guitar stuff, this mellow tropical stuff. Out of There you go. Something like that. Beautiful. So that made me feel like I was on vacation. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the vibe. Super laid back. Maybe some some uh, cajon on there and some you know a little tambourine or something. So it's it's silly, but it's fun. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your time and expertise and your beautiful music and all your great tips. I know everyone's going to learn so much from you. So really appreciate it. And uh, thank you. Awesome. Well, I'm sure we'll talk soon. And uh, thanks to all your audience for, for checking out. I hope this episode's tip has helped you to continue expanding your guitar playing skills and knowledge. If you'd like to learn more, please check out the many learning resources available at marlenesmusic.com. Thank you for joining today's podcast. And as I like to say, play on.